0: This show is supported by Brighton's own Bison Beer. They're coming out of lockdown at their beach bar from April the 12th, where we can join them outside under the rule of six. Book your spot by going to bisonbeer.co.uk forward slash bookings or walk in when the weather suits seven days a week and let them know you're fans of the show for 10% off your drinks. This is Football, The Albion, and me with Richard Newman. Hello, welcome to Football, the Albion and 3, the weekly panel show discussing the latest at Brighton and Hove Albion. I'm Richard Newman, and this week, after Albion secured their Premier League status, earning an unprecedented fifth consecutive season in the top flight, I'm joined by former Brighton captain Dean Hammond and Brian Owen, Albion's reporter for the Argus. So both of you, how are you both doing? Um, Where should we start? I guess we'll Brian, first of all, uh, Brighton's safe. We can all relax for the final few games of the season.
1: Yeah, it was, I suppose, the time when it got a bit nervy. was when Fulham drew level on points by winning at Liverpool. And Brighton hadn't won for a while. But then um, the win at Southampton, I think, um, eased a lot of nerves. And uh, then obviously beat Newcastle. I think from then on, it always looked like it was going to happen. I was disappointed they didn't do it for themselves at Wolves. Perhaps I'm being a bit overly critical, overly fussy. Would have liked to have seen them obviously do sort the job out there. I found that quite a, we'll come on to that game, I guess. But um the, the season they've taken care of, for me, they've taken care of the season and they've taken more steps in the future. It's been another transitional season. If you look at the way they've played, the way they've played more 3-4-3 than they did last season. Some of the key players who've gone, others who've presume um, have been the best one, handing him the midfield keys. And I, I think it's been, a, yeah, like I say, they've done what they needed to do this season it's made steps forward but I'd love to see a bit higher up the league
0: yeah Uh, how how do you assess it Dean what's gone right what's gone wrong
2: I think a lot's gone right if I'm honest Uh, I think it's like like Brian mentioned there I think it's down to the small detail I think they're actually I mean I've covered them a lot this season uh, and watched them a lot this season I've been really really impressed Um, the the younger players coming through is a huge bonus it really is I mean they're not just younger players coming through they're Um, outstanding players, they really, really are and it's it's whether the club can keep hold of them uh, which will be interesting Um, but no, the the brand of football has been really, really good, Uh, the amount of chances that Brighton create is is fantastic yes, the issue is can they convert those chances and I think that's the next stage Um, I think since Sanchez has come into goal, and they've gone to a back three with Dunk, Webster and um, uh, Veltman Uh, sorry, Oh, oh, Veltman, and Ben sorry. White, sorry, yeah. apologies, yeah. uh, and Veltman, and, uh, right wing back, and um, Dan Byrne, left wing back. I think that's really worked. Um, and I was surprised. I think Solly March been out and, and Lance been out, I thought they would struggle. But um, Veltman I've been hugely impressed with. Um, obviously, Lewis Dunk is brilliant. I think that the foundation, foundation of the team now is really, really strong, which is, which is really important. Uh, Basuma in, in the centre midfield is, I mean, what a player! He's he's unbelievable, really is, and uh, yeah, he's one to definitely watch. And I think Adam Lalana will get better. Um, obviously, he's had a few injury problems, and I think if the club can keep Danny Welbeck, I think that will be a bonus as well. So I think there's huge positives come from um, the season. Um, yes, I agree with Brian; they could have potentially finished higher up the league, um, but I think they're progressing, and I think the club's moving in the right direction. and I really like the manager. I really, really do. Um, but so I think the club's moving in the right direction, which is a positive thing.
0: Yeah, and also it's, it's also- been really impressive, hasn't it, that uh, how Brighton have dealt with losing key players to injury because Lamptey was probably the best player up until he got injured. You could probably argue that when Solly March was injured, he'd probably been the most consistent of all the players, potentially, or definitely one of them. Um, and they everyone stepped up. And like you say, Dean, I mean, Adam Lalana has had some brilliant games for Albion, but he hasn't been there all the time and, and there have been some injury issues. So actually the, the depth of the squad, you know, we'll get on to talking about up front probably in a minute, but the depth of the squad's been pretty impressive how people have stepped up.
2: I think massively. Um, I think like you've mentioned there, Adam Lalana is, you know, the games I've watched, he's been brilliant. I think it's helped him playing alongside the I think Basuma obviously covers a lot of ground and does a lot of the work, but Adam has that quality and that composure, which is really, really important. Um, But no, the other players, I mean, Veltman's. I love him. I think he's a brilliant player. I think he really, really is. I think he's hugely underrated. Gross, again, has been very, very good. Trossard is getting better, I think. He's improving all the time. Like I mentioned, I think Danny Welbeck is is a really valuable member of the squad. He's not going to play... 30 games a season, but you know, can you get 10, 15, 20 really good, effective games out of him and can he get into double figures potentially? I think that's possible. Um, and Dan Byrne, you know, he doesn't a very effective job. You know, he, he's, he's better on the ball, I think, than people give him credit for. Um, defensively, he's good in the air, um, and I just think it makes the defense a lot stronger. So the players that have come in have done really, really well, and I've been impressed by them. Um, and, look, it's the small details. It really is, and the season could change. You know, Brighton, if they'd won three or four more games, you know, they could be, what, they could be in 12th, 11th position, which would be a brilliant season.
1: It's, it's so tight in that, and now it's a 10-point gap, obviously down to the relegation zone, but it is so tight in that that area, that <clears throat> almost the third division of the Premier League, if you like, where they are. And um, perhaps I'm being too nitpicking, I'm wishing they could be a bit higher, but you say Beltman, he's been so good. at And is he part of the... Is he part of the starting eleven? if they've got a full-strength squad? Arguably, he's like a fantastic stand-in. It, or do you play Lamptey? You know, Dan Byrne as well, as, as you say, he's come in. But I just think there's been more transition this season, almost than in that first season that everybody said was the season of transition, because they play that system all the time. and. Some of the players we've seen moving on, Dale Stevens, obviously you think that Murray, you think now Ryan's probably not going to see any more, David Proper. So there's been more transition in a way this second season than the first. So hopefully sets them up. It's that thing that Potter talks about, fixing the play more, flying it. And hopefully, you know, this is setting them up for the future. Now they're, well, well and truly safe, earlier than they've ever been safe in the Premier League.
0: Yeah. Uh, How important is it that Danny Welbeck does stay then? And and Brian, what sort of... um... What, what were you sort of hearing, or are you hearing anything about whether he might stay? It feels like um, I know he's had a very good season after a number of, you know, issues at other other clubs. And it feels like he he looks like he enjoys his football down at Brighton, and and having jumped around a bit, it doesn't feel like it would make sense for him to move on yet.
1: No, I mean we don't know what obviously else he's got, but the the message we keep hearing is he's enjoying it. That the talks will take place at the end of the season, whether. Dean knows better than us probably how this works, whether that means talks, i.e. a little chat as you walk off the training grounds, you know, what do you think, Danny, or whether that doesn't even happen. But, I mean, he took his time, didn't he? He wasn't in a rush to sort himself out last summer. I don't know what offers he had, but I'm sure he had some decent ones. So that suggests he would, you know, he he thinks about where he's going. But everything suggests, and and he's been a bit of a slow burner of a season. You sort of think it took him a while to have the impact that he's had now, but he's such a part of that of that pattern and he's pulled out wide doesn't he and played wide on the left and he's produced absolutely important goals to put 2-0 up which is a real luxury for brighton. <laughs> I would have th- I would have thought they've done what they can without knowing numbers and you know money and what have you. In terms of satisfaction you'd think they've done what they can to keep him.
0: Mm. How does that work Dean does it? <laughs> we just do different things and did the the different setups. Be, be it will work a bit differently but is there sort of like a casual chat between a manager and a player just saying like go on do you, do you fancy signing a new contract
2: yeah a hundred percent there'll be a, a casual chat um the manager would would make danny fully aware that i'm sure whether he wants to keep him or not keeping i think that happens pretty regular, especially with the players that you want to keep you want to make that very very evident to the player that you want them at the football club so i'm sure they've had conversations um I'm sure there's been conversation between uh, the agents and the director of football or the, the chairman, then things happen, but they'd be at early stages. And I'm sure like Brian just mentioned there, Danny, Danny looks like he's he's very, very happy. Um and probably just thinking, look, I'm great, I'd love to stay, let's get the season finished, and then we'll have a discussion in the summer. I'm happy that you want to keep me, um, but let's have a let's have a talk in the summer. I'm in no rush to sign. But you know, he looks really, really happy, he's smiling. He um, looks like he's full of energy and he's playing consistent games, which is you don't see him do too uh, too often. So um, I'm sure that helps um, because he's had a lot of injury problems in, in his career. Um, so, yeah, a, a chat would have definitely happened between the manager. It wouldn't have been, a I doubt, an official to come into my mm-hmm. office and have a sit down. It would have been off the training ground. That I think you're playing really well at the moment. Your movement's great. You look happy. We'd love to keep you for next year. We'll talk in the summer. That sort of thing generally
0: happens. Yeah. Um, let's quickly reflect on the Wolves game then, because Brian, you said that you think Brighton probably should have come away with, with something from, from that game. Um, they, 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 they played the first half. They completely outplayed Wolves in the first half, didn't they? And the dunk yeah. sending off really did make a, a massive difference.
1: I just sat back there in my plastic old gold seat in that empty stand and just enjoyed the football they were playing. But even then, I thought, should they be taking more of a stranglehold? It almost seemed too easy to do to be 1-0 up and playing the nice football. And, and then I thought maybe they should have got that second goal, and I put that yeah. to Graham Potter afterwards. And I thought he disagreed with me because he said, well, we didn't have any chances when I first heard his answer um, and things like that. And then when I looked back, I thought, that's what he meant. They should have created more from it. They didn't have any chances for the possession and the football and the, the nice stuff that they played. Mm. I was probably rationally disappointed when they ended up losing because they'd been mm. in that position. And then um, Wolves started the second half as they started the first, quite rightly, but, but they maintained it. And I'm sure you'll talk about Lewis Duncan, the, the split second, which has been debated for hours.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, just talking about, about the, the sending off, I mean, when he grabs the shirt, it's just one of those moments of madness, isn't it? She's completely instinct. Dean. I I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I've been there many a time. <laughs> um, it is, you know, you don't think about that. It is instinct. It's a reaction. Um, you can see probably from, from Donkey when he does it, he regrets it straight away. Mm. Um, maybe he doesn't realise he's actually last man, maybe. Um, but a tug of the shirt. It, it's really easy to sit from the side and think, what would I have done? Uh, what would I have done differently? Um, it would have been interesting to see Silver go through one on one because I would fancy Sanchez to save that, to be honest. You know, mm. Silver's not the most prolific goal scorer, and Sanchez is, is a big presence. If he comes flying out, mm. you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to put you off. so yeah, I think it was just a natural thing, an instinct, instinctive thing that you would do in training. You know, you would do that in training. If someone went past you, just pull them back and take a free kick. And unfortunately, in day football, you're never going to get away with it. Even if the referee doesn't see it, it's going to be pulled back by VAR. So, yeah, look, like I mentioned, Dunk, is, Dunk has been brilliant all season. He's been brilliant for an, a number of seasons. And um, I just, I can't believe he's not in the England team personally, but that's just my opinion. But yeah, just that. Uh, Just a a rash decision by Dunkey, I think.
0: Just on that, quickly, about the England team thing, um, do you wonder whether there's a few, you know, there's always, there's often a bit of like a bolter that comes into an England squad. I don't think Gareth Southgate's really done it, but there often is one that, you know, a rabbit out of the hat sort of thing. Um, And maybe someone like Ben White would be more of a possibility there because if you're looking at someone, Gareth Southgate loves Eric Dyer, doesn't he? And he basically, Ben White can do all the same things, but better probably. Yeah, a lot of people might argue that he can play in centre-back, he can play in midfield, he can play right back. Um, but with the injury to Harry Maguire, and then there's often like other things that come up. Would that He'd been playing so well. He's been in Premier League teams of the week. And you know we know that it was really unlikely that he would have got into the squad. But with that red card of maybe if Southgate was thinking about it, just because of that rash, that moment of madness, might that make Southgate think, oh, I was thinking about it, but maybe not now. We can't afford that, the Euros.
1: Maybe, or even how they run unlocked, um, you know, the was it? hr and Fabio Silva sort of out outmaneuvered Adam West in that period. I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of feel like it's gone now mm. it, for Lewis. And even getting back into the car from some services, coming back down the M5, Darren Bent was, I think it was Darren Bent was on TalkSport, about talking about how Lewis Dunk should be in the England squad, even after seeing the red card. So whether that one thing would, would matter, I don't know. But I I'm, I'm sort, of, you know, sort of think Ben White might be the better better bet now, or the more potential, whether he's the best one to play, I don't know.
2: Maybe. And I would, I would take Lewis all day long. Yeah. I think he's better. Than, uh, it's a big statement, it's a bold statement. I think he's better than Maguire anyway. I think he's the better than Dyer. Um, I personally, you know, I've played with Lewis. I've watched him a lot. I think he has everything. I think he just needs that opportunity to, to play in the England team and, and be given the chance. So I don't think it would have ruined his chances. Look, Gareth Southgate has been was a footballer himself, played at the highest level, played for England. Yeah. Everyone makes mistakes. He won't judge him on one sending off. Mm. It will be whether he was in his plans or in his thoughts before that. That, that. that won't change at all. So it will be interesting, but it's also interesting, obviously, Gareth Southgate was a centre A centre back himself, so he obviously knows the position very, very well. And there's a reason, in his opinion, why he's not picking Lewis. So, yeah, I'd love to know that because his performances have been, I mean, outstanding for a a consistently long period of time.
1: Did Did you notice how Graham Potter as well was so keen to talk talk Lewis up, or not talk him up, but make sure he after the Leeds game his performance was noticed? He spoke. I've never heard him speak so enthusiastically and so such high praise and so unreservedly about a player after a game i don't think and i thought it was going to be all about danny welbeck after that game and it was all about lewis Dunk, and he sort of encouraged it onto the agenda a little bit and then there was another piece that the club put out on their website with um, ben white saying about him and how good he is in england and the headline i think was about england and it could have been about something else it could have picked something else out so there's it was quite interesting messages coming from the club at that point
0: mm. yeah that is interesting um Okay, let's move on from Lewis Dunk. we we'll probably talk, I mean, he, he should be in England's squad. So I think we all agree with that. Um, Neil Mopé, can we talk about him? Because um, his sending off after the final whistle, it seemed like, you know, the, the pictures showed that he was basically going on about something for a long time. He's pushing his luck, pushing his luck, pushing his back, and then finally got the red card and went a bit too far. Don't know exactly what he said. But um, Flor- uh, Florin Anderne was uh, sent packing, wasn't he? for disciplinary reasons, really, you know, maybe, maybe not just that issue, but he was sent on loan after that pretty awful tackle against Southampton, wasn't it? Um, mm. And Mope has done a few things which are a bit questionable in terms of his discipline, and he's not scoring goals either, which doesn't help when you're scrutinising this situation, does it? Um, do you think he will run out of chances with Graham Potter? Um, is, that a, is there is there any are there any parallels between Andanay and Mope?
1: Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, the one he's been compared with a little bit is Ashley Barnes, isn't it? And obviously, Ash, Ashley Barnes in the end was seen as um, a player Brighton shouldn't have let go. Mope has got some, plenty of performances in the bank. Grand Potter keeps playing, and he does quite well in the general yeah. scheme of things. But like you say, it's that lack of composure which I find him quite. Bewildering in a way to he, he almost like a defender in that sort who's of suffering the nosebleed and gets into the box when he loses that composure. So, I, I think Andone's from what I, I was gathering, Andone's the, the sort of jury was out a little bit even before the season started. Right. So, I think Mope's probably got a bit more in the bank, a bit more credit, or, or a lot more credit than Andone had. But yeah, Grand Potter was not happy. You, you sort of he, he's not going to say things out you know, in an outspoken way, you mm. almost have to read between the lines, but it's pretty obvious after the Wolves game the way he spoke, and I just sort of checked there wasn't something untoward that would have provoked him. And apparently there wasn't, it was just the incidents, the potential fouls he wasn't given. So it was it was quite bewildering, wasn't it, how how um, how we reacted, to what extent?
0: Yeah. And uh, do you think, Dean, maybe that reaction comes from Mope's frustration maybe on the pitch as well. Cause like we say he has been playing playing well but he's not been scoring goals and is it sort of everything sort of mounting up a little bit maybe
2: yes i think that i mean the frustration will come from the defeat 100 percent because brian should never have lost that game um and from the frustration that he knows that or he would have wanted to score more goals this season with the the chances he's potentially had i agree with brian is his his, uh, his general play is very very good his link-up play is, is pretty good you know I really enjoy the combinations he has with Trossard or Adam Lallana, McAllister if he plays, Danny Walbert. The build-up play is excellent. It's almost like it's a, a mental block as he gets into the box. As though, I've got to score this. I've got to score this goal. I need to score this goal. I need to get on the score sheet. But look, correct me if I'm wrong, I still think he's Brighton's leading goal scorer this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so He has scored goals but for the amount of chances he's had, I think he'll be very frustrated and I think it just came out at the end. He seemed like quite an emotional guy. Mm. You know, when he plays, he he can get frustrated with defenders and he's quite aggressive. And I don't mind that in a player, to be honest. Um, But he he obviously can score goals because he scored goals at Brentford. So there's something not quite happening for him at the moment. I think that came out right at the end there at, at Wolves, whether Connor Cody said something or there was... You know it'd be going on more during the game than just at the end, I don't know. But yeah, as a player, when you lose a game, you are very, very frustrated.
0: Yeah, um, okay, let's move on from the Wolves game. Um, let's talk some rumors speculation. Uh, we'll start, we'll continue with the players first. Of course, we mentioned Ben White just now. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday, where there are significant rumors that Jose Mourinho is interested in taking him to Roma. We've heard already that the likes of Arsenal, Manchester United and Liverpool are all interested in him. So what do we think then in terms of his future? Do we think we're going to see him at Albion next season? What's your gut feeling?
1: Uh, myself? Um, like Broner, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, we don't really deal in rumours so uh, <laughs> but But um, that's yeah, will sell papers that.
0: for you, Brian.
1: I've been, I know, it gets clicks. You're, you're right. Any transfer story, any name you can throw, and that'll probably, we can probably move that onto Grand Potter and Spurs, will get clicks, and it's what people like to read. Um, <clears throat> I haven't checked it out. I haven't really been around today on working-wise, but I'm sure loads of clubs are looking at him. And obviously, Mourinho you knows him well from, from the Premier League. So, will he, will he go? I mean, there the thing wasn't that with Basuma. It seems to be those two, Basuma and White, who were mentioned in terms of it leaving. And there was the report that Basuma had asked to leave, which we would sort of knock, could knock down pretty quickly by going to yeah. a very good source, and that wasn't true. But you think they wouldn't need to ask, you know, if the right move came in, Brighton wouldn't necessarily stand in their way. But what I've noticed is Graham Potter dropping into press conferences quite a lot. That it's not a, it's not a disaster if they sell. It can be quite good. It can be positive. It can clear the way. It can bring in funds. It can be progressive refresh the squad so he's it almost feels like he's preparing preparing us for a a move um Paul Barber said to me last week they don't have to sell but again that could be so that when they do sell it doesn't look like they were in a corner and they really didn't want the player to go so maybe there's groundwork being laid to prepare us for a for a departure it hasn't happened very much has it in in recent years
0: Mm. yeah we've got away with um not losing your question though <laughs> I you know, really, uh, no, I mean, I
1: don't
0: know. we we thought uh, we thought for years that Lewis Dunk was going to leave, and and he didn't um, go. And I think on previous episodes, you've also said maybe Lewis is actually going to be here for the rest of his career now, um, given mm. his age. But um, I want it, it feels more inevitable though with Besuma and White, mm. doesn't it? That's that still. they are that they are going to go. I mean, they're going to go at some point. So it feels like. It feels like to me they'll both go this summer, and, that will, and, and 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 Albion will get somewhere close to 100 million for both of them, and that is pretty significant when it comes to needing to strengthen the, a little bit up front, for example. I mean,
2: yeah, I totally agree. I, w- I wouldn't sell both personally.
0: I, I wouldn't like to sell. Both. both. I just feel like it. I just no, like I, I, it might I, no I
2: don't think the club. I don't think the club need to sell both. I mean, you're raising 100 million for what? No disrespect, Brighton are not going to go and spend $100 million on players. They just they just won't do it. So you drive have an asset at your football club in terms of Basuma. I would keep Basuma for another year. I would allow Ben White to, to leave. I would sell Ben White, not because he's not a brilliant player, because he is, but I think Ben White will definitely leave at some point. Um, and like I mentioned, I think Veltman would just drop in there perfectly. So mm-hmm. you've already got a ready-made placement, in, in my opinion. Um, so Ben White is going to leave at some point uh, someone's going to come in and pay a lot of money for him I think it will be one of the bigger boys within England I, don't, I can't imagine Ben White going to Roma I don't think that would suit him and why would he go to Italy he's an exciting centre-half if you can ever get an exciting centre-half you know he's, he's quick, he's fantastic on the ball um, I think one of the bigger teams will, will definitely buy him and I think, Brian, will can, you, you can demand, what, Harry Maguire went for, what, 85 million? Mm. You know, Ben White, 50, 60 million, probably. So, and I think Brighton could reinvest that in, you know, a striker, a couple of players. So I think that would be really, really good business. Keep hold of Basuma, and then maybe he goes the following year. And you kind of roll the business out like that.
0: Mm. But then is it How a case of keeping that? them happy if they want to go? If they know they've got all that coming in, yeah. all those that That's the problem, isn't it?
1: And it's also that that pathway is there if players, if they obviously yeah. Brighton is a stepping stone, but if they don't let players go and stand in their way, it perhaps defeats the object of, or make weakens that position of being attracting players, saying that this is your entry into the Premier League. I don't know how that, but when dean, how that would work. You know, if they did sell Ben White for massive money, would they be, then be able to bring in a striker, a 50 million striker, because he would probably demand wages.
0: Mm, way in yeah. excess
1: of what Ben White is wanting now, so I think it's, I don't know how complicated that would be.
0: But also, that's not within I Brighton's think, model anyway, is it? No. Pay someone those kind of wages? They, that not That wouldn't happen. They, they, it's all about. No. It's all about a relative a parity, isn't it? In terms of you know yeah. squad harmony, yeah. they wouldn't on huge salaries. No.
2: No. But that's, I mean, no. Brian and I know this better, better than me. But look, I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine Lewis Dunk's not on good money. I can't imagine yeah. Adam Alana's not on good yeah. money. So. Not, I know they're not paying the £200,000, £200, but they'll be paying good, good money to, mm-hmm. to be able to bring in a, a good, good player, whether that's a younger player from a lower division, whether that's an established player um, from one of the smaller Premier League clubs. I think Brighton can compete at, at, at a certain level, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think in terms of keeping Pusuma happy, it's his first full season, really, isn't it, that he's played every yeah. game and been a pivotal yeah. role. You would sell him the fact that, look, don't go... Let's say, let's say Pissouma, Arsenal coming for him.
0: There's no point in going, you going to sell him. You would speak to him and say,
2: don't go to Arsenal, stay for another year, mm. go to Liverpool mm. the following year. You, you play that yeah. out with a player. Ben White, I think, would get that move to a, a bigger club now because of the history he had at Leeds, because he's a, he's a different type of centre-half. I think there's less centre-halves around in the world that are like him, so I think yeah. he will get them a chance for a bigger club, whether Brighton sell him or not. But Pissouma, I think you can convince him to stay and continue to play very, very well. Mm. To say, look, have another good year in the Premier League. Play play another 30, 40 games and then get the big move that you really, really want. Don't just like... Because I think he's as good as anyone that that I've seen in that position, you know, that plays that position. So it'd be interesting. I think, you know, Man City would be perfect for him, but Fernandinho would probably have one more year. So Mm. I think one more year of Brighton (laughs) wouldn't do him any harm at all. And that has sort of been Ben's trajectory hasn't
1: he? he sort of played a year he's taken those steps up almost year by year from Newport to Peterborough to Leeds to bottom half of the Premier League so then, then he sort of coached with it every time probably better than was expected at the start of those seasons so I think when he went to Leeds it wasn't sure that he would be playing for Leeds you know at the start of the season I think that was probably the question it's great for him to go to Leeds but will he be playing do we pitch him a little bit lower and um, they got that right. They got, you know, they pitched it just right. So he's had that trajectory. I mean the other thing for the summer is there are players at Brighton who they're not getting value for money from and those players aren't getting value for effort. Like so obviously you think Matty Ryan will go. Davy proper is apparently wanted in Holland. There's mm-hmm. a few who could be could be cleared. johan um, do Bach, does he stay or does he think he needs something a bit more? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's others who, you know, maybe I don't know about fees, but certainly clear wage wage space.
0: Mm. Okay, so Ben White, so we're saying maybe Ben White goes for Sumas days if we actually have, if we had to choose. Um, and then um, who, do we, who do you bring in? I mean, it's just, this is the obvious, it's, this, is, this is just going to be throwing people, names around though, isn't it? Because Brighton don't also, they're really good at hiding their transfer yeah. business. And we know so many transfers have come completely out of the blue. I know there have been quite a few reports about Diagne, he's just been at at West Brom, but that feels like uh, that feels very much like agents doing their work there, mm. putting his name out. But Brighton do need a striker, don't they? They, they can't go another summer without bringing someone else in, can they?
1: Uh, don't uh, ideally not. No, <laughs> ideally not. But um, who it is, I don't know. I mean, obviously, like you say, they do keep things quiet at this stage of last season. They had Veltman and Milana waiting in the back room to to come out into the spotlight. Mm. So. Um, no, you're right. Who, who is out there for who they can afford? Um, I'm not sure. And I can't even think of any of the loan players because you're thinking maybe Ostergaard for that defensive slot if they keep him on, or different players they've got on loan. But there's nobody screaming of a certain age who's ready now. is there? There's even younger ones who might be, you know, success in a few years. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're pretty sure they do because Mopey's almost gravitated. We've said, Dean said there, the stuff that he does so well. He's almost become another... Trossard or McAllister or one of those players who in support of a main striker mm-hmm. so um no you you're right there's, there's 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 a gaping gap for a for a hero there somewhere mm-hmm.
0: Are are going to get that hero in dean do you think
2: i think the club will definitely try i think that's that's the next stage and i honestly believe i've said it many many a time that if Brighton can get that player um <laughs> then they will they will move up the league, they will win a lot more games. I mean, how many Brighton draw games of Brian drawn this season? If you have that goal scorer, that's a lot more wins. You're probably talking three, four, five more wins and, and then you are in the top ten. You know, you're you're competing with the leads, the Arsenal. So I think it's really, really important. Who you go for, I don't know, because it's easy to say, well, okay, let's go and get a, a Tony. Uh, but that's what Mope was. You know, Mope was a, a high goal scorer in the championship. You'd go and get an Armstrong from Blackburn. You know, he's done very well. What's he got? 29 goals this season, something like that. So I think Armstrong would be a better fit than Tony, because I think Armstrong's more of a natural goal scorer. And I think that's what Brighton need. They don't need another player that's very, very good at in general play at linking things up. They need someone when it comes in the box and it falls to them, they put it in the back of the net. That's that's what they need. Whether Graham Potter's ready to, you know, lose a player that can combine um, and is technically good because that may affect Brighton's play, Brighton's pattern of play. I'm not sure, but they need to they need to bring someone in. I think that's the next step. Otherwise, it's going to just be a very very similar season. It'll be, you know, they play lovely football, easy on the eye, brilliant to watch, create opportunities, exciting to watch, but have drawn another game, you know. Uh, lost late on so they need a golf scorer yep. who that is
1: do they need to go overseas I think is that in terms of the money and what they can afford for that calibre um, it was Darwin Nunez the one who went to Benfica who was the one we knew they were really keen on last year so does it have to be is that the sort of market that they go to to get that or is that too much I mean
2: it's, it's, the, it's the cheaper way definitely Um but I think they need someone ready-made. I don't mean ready-made because yeah. everyone's still a gamble, but someone that understands yeah. the, the Premier League or the English football and, um is not going to take a season to settle because they've moved their family over there from a different country. They're learning the language. Now, that can work. That can definitely work, um, but it's more of a risk. I just think you need to get someone that's been playing in England. That doesn't mean they're, they're English or British, but they've been playing in England um, and they understand. Um, because I think if Bryant can do that, then they're going to be a, a force. I really believe that. And they will move up a lot higher in the league. Whether they, they, they wouldn't be able to get in. But the, look, you, comparison, two teams, Southampton and Brighton. If Brighton have had Danny Ings, mm. I yeah. think he'd have 25 goals this season and Brighton would be, you know, fighting for Europe. I think mm. that's the difference.
0: Mm. Yeah. There aren't really even any players that we look at in the um, that have been relegated striker-wise that you take... Not like last year when Bournemouth went down, for example, and everyone knew Callum Wilson was going to go somewhere. There's no one like that going down, is there? So it might be a case of waiting to see which of the playoff teams don't get promoted, and then maybe plucking one of those. Or Armstrong is a great bet. To be fair, Dean, that's a, I, you know, that's a, that's not a bad shout. Yeah, he's
2: a good player. I, I, I like Armstrong. I really, really do. He, he, he just a he looks like you can. He just looks like a natural finisher. It will probably frustrate people and he probably doesn't work as hard as he potentially could. Um, but if he gets a chance, he generally takes it. And obviously he's had the pedigree of being at Newcastle, I believe, wasn't it? That's yeah. where he came from. Scored yeah. a few goals at Newcastle and, and kind of found his form and found himself again. So, And I don't think it would cost the earth to get rid really. of I mean, Blackburn are not flush with, with cash, so it wouldn't cost an extreme amount of money. Um, or is there a youngster somewhere within the academies that's, that's playing at, I don't know, Man City, Man United, Liverpool that no one really knows about and, and comes in and does very, very well like, a, like a Bobby Zamora did when he first came from, from Bristol Rollers? That would be nice, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, I think the dream scenario is you get Tammy Abraham in. Um, but yeah, that is not going to happen. Um, OK, let, let, let's move on from transfer speculation to different speculations because um, over the past week or so, um, you know Tottenham are looking for a new boss I think there were a little bit even some rumours that it may might have even thought about giving it full time to Ryan Mason but that's pretty much gone now after um, the way they played uh, at the weekend and um, Graham is very much in the running here with the bookmakers and, and uh, the sources uh, from some journalists seem to think that Daniel Levy is interested in him he likes him also likes the likes of Gareth Southgate for example um, it's it doesn't feel like the right move for me at the right time. It feels like maybe Tottenham is the sort of team that would end up employing Graham Potter at some point. When I look at like the top six, the big six, which I hate calling the big six, but if you look at them, Man United, I don't think they're gonna, they wouldn't appoint Potter for some reason. It doesn't feel like Man United, Man City, Chelsea, they're not Liverpool, they wouldn't appoint Graham Potter. And it kind of leaves me with Arsenal or Tottenham that would appoint him. Um, but it's not right time, is it?
1: When, when I saw it, I thought he's not done enough yet. I could see why there would be a lot of interest in, in what he's been doing. I wondered if it was, as you know, we've, we we we've sort of touched on it there. The transfer window is almost like Christmas time for um, stories and for journalists and putting things out. So um, if you're looking for the next, oh, who else could the next one be? Tottenham and somebody's mentioned, Levy likes Potter. There's a story there straight away The next day, sort of potboiler sort of thing. Paul Barber's obviously come out and said, I think there's Brighton in general just described it as just didn't think it was happening, to saw it as rubbish basically. And Paul Potter's, Paul Paul Barber's come out and and sort of said that's more or less, and it's Grand Potter so himself. So I I I, I, didn't, I I'd be surprised. I mean, I, I, my first thought was it's a bit early for that anyway. And then all the sounds coming out of Brighton were were no. So
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: yet. but let's see if he gets them, you know, gets them a little bit further out the league, a la Pochettino, Southampton.
0: Yeah, there's an easy link to make there, isn't there, Dean? Because people look at Graham Potter and think, you're at a club that plays really nice football and you don't score. Where are you going to put that amazing football with the most prolific striker in the Premier League?
2: Yeah, look, I think I think he would do a good job. I just don't think, like, I think I can't agree with, with Brian there. I don't think he's done quite enough, um, especially with Tottenham are desperate to win something you know they want to win a trophy that's what they that's why they you know they hired Jose Mourinho to to win win a trophy it wasn't because of his style of football um Graham Potter would suit the Tottenham way the so-called Tottenham way I don't always agree with you know clubs play a certain way but um you know the Tottenham way of exciting football he would fit that mold and probably that's why Daniel Levy likes him but I don't think he'll get offered the job I think there would um, I think Daniel Levy would like him because of the, you can see the job he's doing at, uh, at Brighton. But obviously from Graham Potter's point of view, I think he, look, I don't know him, but from the outside, he looks like he's a manager that wants to build a football club. And I don't yeah. think he'd get that chance at Tottenham. I think at Tottenham, you're a head coach. Here's your squad. Here's what you do. Get on and train them. I think Graham would like more than that. And I think what he's doing at Brighton is building something um uh, um, and I don't think he'd get that opportunity at, at Tottenham. So it'd be an attractive job and I'm sure he would consider it if he got, if he got offered it. But I, I, I think he would be in two minds as well, if I'm honest. I don't think it fits for either of them at the moment.
0: Yeah. And um, the way Tottenham go through managers, that job's going to come up again um, in a number of years anyway. And, and actually, I think you're right, Dean, because um, I seem to remember Graham Potter saying when he left Swansea to come to Brighton, he was sort of in two minds himself then as well, because he was building what he thought was a really good project there. And he was a bit reluctant to leave, but he felt that, that was an opportunity that he couldn't turn down because he do not know when that sort of project in the Premier League is going to come up again. However, if he continues to prove himself in the Premier League, he'll always be a, a contender for a top job, won't he?
1: If people will be
0: watching
2: him now. They... Hmm. Hmm. Sorry, sorry. sorry. No, I, I, I agree. I think um, he'll always get them opportunities, but... Um, I think every manager wants time. That's the luxury they want. They want time. And I think with, you know, at a bigger club, you're not going to get that time. And I think Brian mm-hmm. Potter, like you say, at Swansea was building something special. That's continued. And he probably set the foundation for that. Um, and he's doing that at Brighton again. And I'm sure, actually, I think he would probably feel he's got unfinished business at Brighton. I think he'd probably think we could do better, you know, with the performances we put in and the way the team plays he thinks there's there's progression here. I think we could go even higher and do something quite special. So he'd want to be part of that. So I think he will get linked with with jobs because of the way the team plays. Um, But I, I really don't see him leaving. I really don't.
0: Okay, so only person leaving that we don't want to leave this summer, is going to be potentially Ben White. That's what we're going to settle from from this conversation for the last 20 minutes or so. Um, okay, let's just finish off by talking uh, about looking ahead a little bit, just over the final few games of the season. Um, it's weird now, isn't it? So Saturday night against West Ham. West Ham really playing for something. Uh, they're trying to get European football, obviously. Brighton, not much to play for now, apart from a record points or opposition's tally. Um, how much do players care about that dean uh from your point of view do you think um once you're safe does the intensity drop a little bit
2: oh good question um i don't think it does intentionally i think it can because um you're safe so you have that comfort zone um but i think i think any game you try to win Look, footballers are competitive. You know, in training, they try to win games. So why would you not go into a, a proper game and, and try and win it? And I think the players will continue that intensity and want to finish the the season well, would want to react after the Wolves' defeat as well um, because they should have won that game, I think, in my opinion, um, apart from the, obviously descending off. Um, and they've got some exciting games. You know, West Ham's a, a, good, a big game for West Ham and you'd want to compete against West Ham. It's a home game as well. Look, the home form needs to improve 100%. I think that's another bit of detail that we haven't spoke about for the for the team to progress. The home form definitely needs to improve. So uh, West Ham at home is an opportunity. Man City, as a player, how can you not motivate yourself to play against the champions and some of the best players in the world? And then you go away to the, the, the Emirates on the last day of the season you've got every chance of beating Arsenal because who knows what Arsenal team's going to turn up and, and where they're heading. So, mm. no, I think that in terms of the fixtures left, and in terms of the players' mentality, I think the fixtures will suit them and you won't see a drop in intensity because it just won't be allowed. And as, as players, I don't think you will nowadays mm. just because they're free exciting fixtures. So I think the Brighton Pairs will be fine.
1: I think there's also, well, Dean, you'd know better, but there's probably 7,900 reasons next Tuesday why the intensity <laughs> yeah. would be pretty high and, and 10,000 yeah. opposition fans, which is probably even more in, more, more, motivational. So, um, I mean, that'll add to it as well. Dean's right. I mean, the, the competitive nature of professional footballers is almost worrying when you see it from outside. It, it really strikes you. And I've noticed that, one thing I've noticed from Brighton gun up the leagues is that those end-of-season games against mid-table teams... That's more apparent the lower down in sort of League One and then the Championship. I think you could probably tell was a bit of end of season feel to some of those teams where at the end of season now we don't really get that. The games seem to be as competitive and the levels seem to be as high. Um, but uh, that has, doesn't it, next week though with the fans back as well. Mm. So so um plenty yeah. you would have thought to look forward to.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. And um, I mean, how much have we missed that? Uh, it's just, it's going to be amazing um, when... Fans return in that in like a, just over a week's time, isn't it, Dean?
2: Yeah, they've been sorely missed, and um, like I've mentioned many times. I think the players have been brilliant the way they've they've mm. coped with it and adapted to it. Um, I think the standard of the football's still been amazing. It's been really, really entertaining. But the fans being back in—I mean, that's football. The emotion you feel with the fans, in they set the the standard. They set the, the like I say, the emotion within within the ground. I know it's not going to be a full house, but having people there again is is what football's all about. and Yeah, I mean, you can't beat that feeling of walking out in front of fans. You can't beat that feeling of, of scoring in front of fans, even though it's a bit different now with VAR. You never know whether to celebrate or not. But um, having the fans back it, it is brilliant. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it all goes well. And then the fans, and it can just slowly increase going into, into next season and we get full houses again. And I think for the players, they'll be excited about that because it's missed. It's not quite football with, without the fans and the songs and the noise and the reaction. That's what you live for, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be... The players and the fans, will be. it'd be great to see them back together.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's the opposition fans as well, isn't it? It's not just your own fans lifting you. When they play in front of yeah. 10,000 at the Emirates, if they sell their 10,000, it'll be,
2: it'll be the same. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, because you get both sides of it then. You get the support and you get the... Uh, the abuse or the negativity or the competitiveness which yeah is, and Arsenal, Arsenal fans are not well, happy
0: either, are they either so um it's not going yeah. to be on it's going to be pretty quickly on their back I think if uh they don't start well against us
1: yeah yeah I was just thinking of Dean coming back to with Dean as well with we Southampton and that <laughs> motivate you the opposition
0: crowd <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah just just a bit. talk about that celebration again <laughs> Dean Sorry, Can we talk about that celebration again. No, that's not. Oh, to, that's that's about that to. Celebration. come on, come on, mate. <laughs> not gonna really. <laughs> I, uh, thought but... I'd I thought that all been forgotten. It has. <laughs> <been> water <laughs> under the bridge. Um, uh, just finally, then, could we see Graham Potter trying out some new things? Do you think? Is it? Is that not really in his character? Could we see his Credo play a couple of games, for example, before just to give him one more chance to see if he if he might stay, or or maybe see Casado come into the team.
1: Or Moda, North Central. I don't know. Yeah, if he's yeah. the uh, all the talk about Crusader as the successor to Basuma. I wonder whether Moda's got a central midfield mm. role to play. Well, there's two, isn't there? He's got to do something at the back. I suppose that's more obvious. But Beltman sounds like he's a bit doubtful, and he's got to come up with something up front. So there's two changes. Um, it's though It would be nice. He loves playing against West Ham. We know that. Yeah. I don't know how wingers fit into. Can he play as? I sort of asked, tried to ask him the question. Can he play as a? As a wing back, and didn't really get an answer because I think that's the way wingers can have their place in a Potter team. So it could be one or two things. I'd be interested to see Modus sort or of more central and, and what he does up front without
0: Mopay. Mm. You think there might be a bit of experimentation, Dean, just to finish?
2: Um, I don't think so, you know. I don't think there'll be too many. I think Moda I've been reasonably impressed with actually, with the mm. performances he's had. He looks like a, a really good athlete, which is, which is brilliant. Um, and he's played. You know, midfield. He's played wide, so centrally, I think that could work. Um, Shaqiri, is it the the, yeah. the, the the other boy that's you know he's he's come on a few times. Looks like he's got a lovely left foot. Um, uh, but he might not see him wild, be,
0: on on yeah, he might play so,
2: today. And they've both had an impact when they've come on, so they've made an impression. And Graham Potter looks like he's he's, he's willing to use them as well. So I think that those, those two might get a chance mm-hmm. um, in terms of the rest of the squad or changing it or experimenting it. No, I think managers now like to win games and finish. It's, imp- it's really, really important. And one thing I probably didn't realise as a player to finish the season really, really strong because it sets, it sets the, the atmosphere for next season. I mean, if you can finish the season well and win the last two, three games and put good performances, you're almost really excited as a player to come back in. The fans get excited thinking, well, what could we do next season? then you get a couple of nice transfers potentially in the summer. It just sets the mood. Mm. I don't think you ever want to finish the the season badly because you have that break and it's kind of uh, naturally, like the competitive nature of a a footballer, it'll play on your mind during the summer. It really, really will. So, um, yeah, finishing the season strong, I think, will be important.
1: Mm. And that would be four games, wasn't it, because of the Wolves as well. That would be a four-game run-in which hasn't gone so well. And three games with nothing... to play for in terms of survival. This is unheard of for Brighton in the Premier League. So <laughs> we don't quite know how they will do it. But it, <clears throat> I agree. I'm um, all Brighton's best seasons apart from 2015-16 that I've seen have followed a strong finish to the previous season.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, let's hope so. So a good finish to the season would be great. And thank you so much both of you for your time today. That's it for this week. Just a few episodes left for the season, and we've got a cracking guest next week. When promotion-winning goalkeeper David Stockdale will be joining me. Thanks for listening.